Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast, a podcast to give families a new point of support as they navigate the NICU journey. Thank you for listening. Please don't forget to subscribe wherever you enjoy your podcast and share this episode with anyone who might find it helpful. Welcome to the Today is a Good Day podcast. When we go through difficult experiences, many of us want to figure out a way to give back. How do we help others? We may not know where to start. There are many ways to volunteer and help others as we move past a traumatic experience. Even if we did not have a traumatic experience but want to explore ways to make a difference in the world, there are so many opportunities out there. Today, we have three wonderful friends here with us to talk about their personal journeys, why they founded their organizations or chapters, and how you also might find joy in giving back. So I'd like to welcome Paul Eisenberg, founder of Bringing Hope Home, Alexia Dumboya, founder of CocoLife.Black, and Tracy Ashdale, founder of Girls on the Run, Southeastern Suburban PA. Now I'm going to give you all an opportunity. This is going to be an exciting podcast today with this roundtable, but I'm going to give you all an opportunity to share a little bit about your story. So I'm going to start with you, Tracy. Tell us a little bit about yourself, why you founded Girls on the Run of Southeastern Suburban PA. Thank you, Martha. It's so excited to be here with you all today. I honestly was reading my Runner's World magazine back in 2002, and they were honoring a woman named Molly Barker, who was the founder of Girls on the Run International. And at the time, um, it was new in its, um, you know, as the start of Girls on the Run in 1996, she had just launched a few years before. And I read the article and thought, boy, this is everything that feels important to me, helping girls sort of know and activate their limitless potential so they're free to boldly pursue their dreams. And I was one of three girls, had two girls and pregnant with soon to be my third girl. And um, that really got the ball rolling for me. So you just saw an opportunity to, to give back and got it going. I did. I was working as a marriage and family therapist. And so I was always in that wheelhouse, but this felt like something different. And uh, it was pulling at my heartstrings. Love it. Alexia, tell us a little bit about your story. Uh, So I remember about 12 years ago, I would say, I was navigating postpartum mood and anxiety disorder, what I now have the language for. I was navigating postpartum psychosis, um, having some extremely intrusive thoughts and feeling like, quite honestly, a horrible parent because I could not connect with my daughter. Um, I didn't know why. I didn't understand what was happening. And I started to learn more about this space of maternal health. Um, And I started to develop more of an understanding of what these maternal mental health experiences can be. And so I decided to become a doula. And I decided, I always say I decided to become what I didn't have. And so that led to me uh, starting CocoLife.Black and looking for a way to create a space for moms. And then it evolved into also creating space for birth workers in that capacity, too. I oftentimes think and reflect on my own birth story. I was actually a premature baby. And so I started to also see a way that those fundamental experiences that we have and how it can inform so much of where we end up in the work we do. So you really saw this gap in care. It's what you didn't have when you were going through your experience. Yeah, it makes a difference. 
All right, Paul, tell us a little bit about bringing hope home and your story. I'm so grateful to be here and be part of this attractive group right now. So I appreciate y'all having me. Um, Bringing hope home kind of started my late wife, Nicole went through a very long protracted battle with stage four Hodgkin's disease for six and a half years. And during that time we had the best of a tough situation and it was still really hard. And Nicole always wanted to help people. So I would always have a list of people to help that she would meet in chemo or when she was in the hospital. And uh, we decided that we, we noticed from that experience, there were a lot of gaps for people and that cancer treatment had come to such a place where people were living with cancer and are living with cancer a much longer time. What's happening, at least in my world, what I see is people aren't able to earn what they were earning in some cases. So they're alive, thank God, but they're struggling. So what we do at Bringing Hope Home, we help all types of people with all types of cancer. And we pay household necessity bills, rent, mortgage, utility, car payment, and food as they go through their battle. And we all let them know they're not alone, and we give them the community to be part of it. That's incredible. Can we just take a minute? I mean, look what each of you are doing to help so many. I feel really honored to be on this podcast with all of you. Thank you for sharing your story, the way you're making a difference for others. I know that. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Paul. And Paul, we've been friends for a long time. You know, you've, you've received a lot of calls from me over the years. Paul, what do you think about this? How did you do this? Knowing that you've been around a lot longer than today is a good day. But I did want to talk to you a little bit about how you got started with bringing hope home in particular, because when, when you started and similar to us, we had teams and we were raising funds for a larger nonprofit organization and, and then decided to, to really branch off. And we started our own 501c3. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you started and how you raised funds for another organization? And the reason I bring this up this episode is really talking about how we give other people opportunities to give back. What is out there? How do you connect with the cause that's important to you? And how do you even get started? So I, I think this is really important. Okay. So I guess number one, for me, I needed something to make sense of this sad thing that my family was going through. And I needed something internally to make sure that it wasn't in vain. I wanted something to help carry Nicole's name on, and I wanted something that made an impact in the kind of spirit that she was and continues to be in my life. So, but when I when I say that, we started bringing hope home, and we were so divinely guided because none of this could have been planned the way it all worked out. Because I'm not that smart, and I'd love to tell you that we had this great business plan and this great strategic work that led to where we are today, 15 years later, helping over 9,000 families. I'd love to tell you that, but that's not true. We started as an event that we raised money for, for the American Cancer Society in, in Philadelphia. We, we started with Coaches Versus Cancer, and we said, we want to have, a, Nicole was going through treatment. We had two young children. I was working full time, and I said to her, I don't see any of my buddies. I don't see Martha or Tracy or Alexa, I don't see anybody. And they're all great guys in my vernacular, right? And she said, well, I don't really care. Go start an event and invite people you like. And that's how we started our event, the Great Guys Dinner, men and women, getting together, having fun. And for eight years, we raised the money for the ACS, about half a million dollars. Wow. And 
what we didn't know we were learning is we were learning how to raise money. We were learning how to connect with our network. We were learning how to try to get people what they wanted, give people a good time and have a nice evening and give back. And then between year seven and eight of doing that dinner, which we still do the dinner, dinner's like 23 years old now. But uh, between seven and eight, one of our original great guys passed away and he left his wife and two daughters that were struggling. So we went to one of our donors. We weren't even an organization. We didn't have a bank account. We said, hey, every year you write us a $5,000 check to sponsor the great guy dinner. This year, write them a $3,000 check and we'll give the two cash for this family who's struggling. And that's how we got started. And then Tim Sherry, the other co-founder and I were like, look at each other, this feels right. This made $2,000 is not nothing, but $2,000 is not a million bucks. And it made such an impact on that family that they weren't alone, that somebody cared who didn't know them. Somebody gave them something without any strings attached. And that's how we started. Mm-hmm. And like I said, now we're on almost 9,100 families since we started. We're 15 years old. And like I said, I'd love to tell you it was a great strategic plan, but it was just, hey, how do we take care of these families as best we can? And how do we give them that peace of mind and that solace if they're not by themselves, that somebody cares? How do we do that? That's right. So we, 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 we learn how to, through, through the American Cancer Society, how to bring people in, how to market. And then we saw gaps. Like nobody was really doing this when we started. We saw these gaps and that what really propelled our charity. So we help any type of person with any type of cancer as long as they're in our area and as long as they're in active treatment. Mm-hmm. So we wanted it to be super simplistic, super straightforward. Great. Paul, as you're talking about really the organic start of bringing hope home. I want to reflect back on you were looking for a way to give back. You were trying to figure out how you navigated through your grief of losing your beautiful wife. How could you raise money to help someone else? And I do think it's important to think about for our listeners, there are opportunities out there. We had a team for March of Dimes for several years where we did running with the sharks and did the March for Babies walk for many years before we really focused our attention on that dedicated kind of local personal connection, but look for the organizations that are out there who are doing the work that is important to you. Right. And I, and I think that what I see out there is there's a lot of people that, cause cancer is so prevalent, right. And people lose a lot of loved ones to cancer. And a lot of people want to go running and jumping into starting their own nonprofit. And which I think, which I get, which is completely admirable. But I say to people, give yourself a minute and go and find another nonprofit that speaks to you and go and work for them because they might need something that you can provide or you might see a gap like we saw. It doesn't mean anybody was doing a bad job. It just means there's other opportunities <laughs> to help families. And we come, all of us have had loss or challenge that gives us a unique perspective, Right we're all four different right we've known each other a while now but we're all four very different and approach things differently and that's a great thing and people are like well i want to start my own nonprofit in memory of my loved one i'm like yeah but you might not really want that one two three years removed from your from this sad event and once you start it as as we all know you got to keep up with it you have to be in compliance you have to worry about finance and payroll and logistics mm-hmm. never stop. 
and hiring people and because you want to build it for these reasons that are internal. And if you run right to it, you might be setting yourself up for more challenging than you have to be. Right. I always say to people, go work for another nonprofit that speaks to you, figure out what they do great, figure out how you fit in, figure out what's missing, and then come back and, and get away from the raw emotion that everybody goes through when those events happen and think about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. No, I, th- I do think I agree with you just kind of taking your time a little bit. So thank you. Thanks for sharing your sure. story to where you started, where you are today. Tracy, I want to go to you next. I'm sure many people don't realize, including myself, before you and I became uh, good friends, that there are oftentimes opportunities for these national or international nonprofits to start your own chapter of an organization. And I was hoping you could kind of talk to us a little bit about what that looked like for you when you got started. Yeah, well, when I got started, like I said, Girls on the Run was in the very beginning stages. So um, <clears throat> while I had the passion and I aligned with their mission, they were working out the kinks and they were just getting their feet off the ground. All I had was a logo I didn't, and a curriculum. I didn't have marketing material. And, and I went in to my first um, Upper Dublin School District um, principals meeting with like wet armpits and a bracing heart and a dry mouth <laughs> to present. And I, I, and really, I think what sustained me and what made every principal say, yes, we want the program was that it really was something that I believed in. Like I felt so connected to what they wanted to accomplish. And that at the time and now Girls on the Run is the only um, prevention program in the country like um, that that delivers a a comprehensive curriculum and now is research and evidence-based. And I'm one of three girls, I have three girls. I knew what it was like to grow up and not have self-confidence and not have an understanding about what it meant to be intentional about my taking care of my mind, body and spirit and my relationships. And so um, I spoke from my heart, not from like a sales place as all of you can understand. And um, I think that what happened to me because I had a headquarters that was also finding their footing, we sort of did it together. It was me and and there was 10 other councils as we call them across the country, but we grew together. And the benefit of having a headquarters is that um, you have leadership, if you will. um, And they also take feedback and, you know, like you're alluding to a little bit in terms of not reinventing the wheel across the country, we were all creating our own wheel and being able to provide feedback to our headquarters. And they, therefore, they were able to refine and professionalize what needed to be executed. So um, I love the fact that I have now, there's over 200 girls in the wrong councils across the country. So there's 200 executive directors, there's 200 program directors, you know, all of that development. And we have a robust network for support, which is Um, it's very uplifting and best practices are shared and, and all of that good stuff that I find enriching in my, in my job and able to, um, really uphold the mission, um, you know, collectively across the country. Well, and how incredible that you were really at the beginning of that process, that you were the one helping to shape all of that for all of these 200 chapters that are across the country, right? Yeah. Yeah. Great. I always say now um, that Girls on the Run has been the platform for my life's work. And I think all of you can probably, you know, when you start your own nonprofit, 
usually that's what it 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 means. That's mm-hmm. what it comes to mean uh, at some point mm-hmm. because you know Alexia, the way you described your journey, um, it's you, nobody understands it. You know, you can only give what you know you have had, and um, unless you've done the work and you've unpacked it, you really don't get it. Well, that is a great segue, Tracy, because I wanted Alexia to talk about you seeing a gap in care based upon your own personal experience and how that led you to where you are today. You know, I was thinking as I was listening to Paul and Tracy um, and even yourself, Martha, and what I did want to share is that I agree. Same thing. It wasn't necessarily that I thought that no one was doing it per se, And I said to myself, even at the time, and I think some of that may be a little bit of imposter syndrome that for myself, at least what it was, because I kind of hesitated because I was like, you know, well, why would I? I'm sure there's something out there. But what I kept hearing, um, honestly, it was the echo of like my grandmother just reminding me to kind of move forward with it. And so it really was such a blessing how this came to be Un suspecting of me. My background wasn't necessarily directly in this space, so it was absolutely lived experience that led me here. But the gap that I saw was in the community aspect of it, similar again to what Paul and Tracy shared. So I said, let's build a community where we can develop like this ecosystem for moms who are going through these experiences, whether pregnant postpartum or compassion for the loss of a child is where we started. And then we had one of our founding partners who experienced the loss of her husband. She lost her husband at seven months pregnant. Mm -hmm. And so then we added and extended to that the loss of a child or significant loved one. Um, From that, even the growth and the evolution has been where we're noticing kind of that gap is in the resources. So then I became a doula. So I wasn't a doula when we first started the organization. Funny enough, my church ended up offering a program to certify doulas. And he came from, he got this vision from his daughter. He was like, listen, my daughter had a doula. I had no idea what they were, but it was this amazing experience. And I think that whoever wants one should have one. Um, And so there we go. And I was like, okay, this actually coincides beautifully with the work that I wanted to do. And that's where I saw, I was like, okay, families are going through these experiences. As a mom and um, dad, you show up in these spaces and you're getting a lot of information while pregnant, you're over here creating life and you have all these things going on and and you're getting all of this download and then you got to go home and process. So as a doula, my scope in this SCOPE is to support, be a compassionate companion, to organize, prepare and educate. And that's where I think the the gap was that I saw is there needed to be kind of like this liaison, like all of you have also started to develop between the experience itself and the person. So now we get a chance to not just look at data and numbers that are impacted in these different um, spaces, but also the families and the people that are directly related to those numbers. That is, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing. And what I love hearing from each of you is just thinking about the evolution of all of these organizations, right? Where you started, Alexia, and then becoming a doula down the road. So starting with one thought in mind, but not realizing what direction that was going to take you. Paul, same thing, giving your first $2,000 to the family in need. Tracy, being a part of the the chapters that were starting for girls on the run and figuring out what that was going to look like. And I think that's so important for 
our listeners who are thinking about how they can give back and make a difference is it's not necessarily launching a new nonprofit or, um, or doing that, just like Paul was talking about earlier, it is checking out what's available at other organizations that are important to you or might share the same mission that you're thinking about volunteering with them, right? So thinking about opportunities to volunteer. And I just want to touch real briefly. Do you all have committees? Do you have different types of committees? Um, Tracy, let's start with you. Ways that volunteers get involved with your organization. It's interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking that one of the things that we've noticed over the years is we have a lot of opportunities for people to get involved, either coaching our 5K committee, we have a young professional board, we have an executive board, um, we have events, and we have obviously our 5K day. But one of the things that I noticed is that in the last few years, I would say five years, we have had so many people reach out that work in corporate America that want to they want to add something to their life. They don't necessarily want to start a nonprofit. Some do, but they want something else that has meaning and purpose. That's not um, stressing them out and that they have some joy in that they're participating in. Mm -hmm. And so wherever they get involved, whatever the entry point is, they're shocked at what they actually not only gave, but what they got from being involved and not just in, in the, whatever, dimension they're involved in, but in collaboration with the other volunteers and perhaps participants of our program, whatever tentacle they're involved in, it tends to be a, a moment of like, I had no idea it was going to give me this much. I love and that. so I, 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 I think that is one of the ways if like to begin, really, it's an mm -hmm. entry point because you never know what it's going to turn into. And Paul, maybe it means not starting that nonprofit. Maybe it means being the, the chair of the young professional board or the executive yes. board or the 5K committee or mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Well, and I don't think people always realize that all those different opportunities are out there, right? Yeah. The different mm -hmm. skill sets that are needed across an organization that you might fill that spot. Paul, anything to add to what Tracy said? Yeah, we're we're a big, we have some in-office things. So we, we hand out, uh, we, we give grocery store gift cards to families. We don't give any families money. We pay the bills directly. And then we send grocery store gift cards. So we might send 200, 300 gift cards a month. So we have that opportunity for people to come. And we also have event committees. We're a big believer in that. People that they want to get involved with us, open up their network to us, uh, be on the board. So there's, there's, and you know what, whatever people want to do, mm -hmm we try to be accommodating and flexible as much as possible. How about you, Alexia? Yeah. Ditto to everything um, Tracy and Paul said. And, and so what we've enlisted is what we call my ambassadors. Uh, and so my ambassadors span, as you can imagine the gamut. So whether it's dads and we say there's all different ways to mother. So you may not have um, birth a child in traditional sense, but maybe you're a God mom. We call them church moms, community, whatever that is, dads and dads who stand in the gap thereof. Uh, so we have this mom ambassador space and same thing. We do have specific events that you can support at. We recognize everyone may not want to become a doula, but for instance, we want you to be mindful of the expecting families that are around you. So we help to develop meal trains. So we have some ambassadors that'll do meal trains for that postpartum experience. 
We have some that provide Uber gift cards so that we can make sure that moms make it to their appointments because statistically the data has shown that um, oftentimes moms and particularly in um, BIPOC communities or black and indigenous people of color, they don't always tend to make it to their prenatal appointments and postpartum. And so to kind of help improve those outcomes there, it could be something as simple as providing the Uber gift card or providing transportation if you feel comfortable with doing that. But yeah, volunteering looks like just supporting and filling in that gap, whatever that particular need may be. Some things we know about, some our families help us to be more connected with and more aware of. Mm-hmm. That way we can make sure that we're being intentional. So taking all that you all shared, really looking at organizations that are important to you, do some searching online. This is a passion or a mission that's important to me. Call the organization, say, hey, this is important to me. I'd like to get involved. What opportunities do you have? And also, I think it's important, I I share this from our perspective, we have some families and individuals who volunteer with us they will not step foot in a hospital again. And we have in-hospital programming and we speak with families who have experienced the NICU. There are some families who and volunteers who are just not there. That is not what they are going to do. But they would love to be on an events committee. They would love to deliver Thanksgiving meals to families at the hospital or do other aspects. So I would say for listeners who are trying to figure out how they can give back, if it was an, a, a traumatic experience, you think, oh, I, I can't volunteer because I can't go back into that space or I can't go back into a hospital. There are always opportunities out there. And I think what you all have shared is there's a lot of different ones from committee work to individual volunteer work to dropping off gift cards, you know, any of that type uh, to being a mentor. Right. We have some families who I call on and say, I have a NICU mom who needs to talk to someone who's been through a similar situation and they are always willing to talk. You know, we, we actually, I would tell you probably the most important volunteer we have answers the phone. Mm-hmm. I'm bad. That phone ringing, we're, we're helping between 60 and 90 families a month. And there's a lot of people that are in, I don't know what to do. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a tough situation. I need help right now. And they're, they're very impatient and they really need it. So they might call four, five, six, seven times a day. And they need to speak to somebody and a voice, not a voicemail, mm-hmm. you know, and they need a voice. They need a person. So we have two people in every day minimum. And then we have a couple volunteers that they just know how to answer the phone. And we have a retired second grade teacher. Fran is her name. She is all good and all love. And she handles these families calls and makes them feel like everything's okay. She's so warm and inviting. She really speaks to who we are as an organization. She's one of our most valuable people, but also people, if they know how to write grants, nonprofits need people to help write grants. If they know how to manage a team, if they know how to market, just come with your, your talent and your, and just help. Just help because there's lots to do. And I would, I would say as simple as I want to bring my kids in to do volunteer work. Many of us are out there where we have opportunities for kids to come in and help build care packages or stuff a mailing or clean up an office or do that type of in-office work that is really needed. And an organization might not have the capacity to stay on top of all of those things as quickly as they'd like to. So there are many opportunities at so many organizations to get the family involved and to come in and volunteer. All right. Anybody else on this? 
I'm just going to echo like the, it, it made me think about where it all began. And sometimes we don't even realize our space um, and that heart we have to serve. And so again, getting involved in your community can look so different, but there are so many opportunities. So I love the conversation and dialogue around. You don't necessarily always have to start with this in mind of, I need it to be this nonprofit or this um, entity, if you will. So many of them need that volunteer support, like we're talking mm -hmm. about. So it made me think of the different areas that um, I had showed up in just as a volunteer years before uh, this came to be. So I strongly encourage that, you know, look mm -hmm. to see where you can serve because there is so, so much giving. And I still do that. Like even with all the other work that I do, I try to make sure that I leave space to serve um, others that that have organizations that may need some support. Love it. Hey, Paul, I did want to touch on one thing. And I'm, I'm thinking about our dear mutual friend, Michelle, mm -hmm. but another opportunity, and especially for thinking, I really want to have my own thing. I want to do something that's special, but impact a mission that's important to me. A lot of organizations also have the opportunity to be the recipient of funds. So I think about Michelle, who supports bringing hope home, and hosts an annual Ella Bella event to honor her mother, but those funds help to support the mission of bringing hope home and being able to kind of, you know, talk to an organization that's important to you and say, Hey, we're, we're hosting this or we're doing this dine out, or I we're hosting this event in, in honor of our child. And we'd like to give you the funding for it. Yeah, there's, that's a great point. And we all have that. Like we have a whole division that's external events, also called third party events where people put on the event, we, we fill in the back store, the back office for that, you know, set up the donation page and all those kind of things. But I have two board members, one being Michelle, who they have outings and events they've been doing for a long time. And the Ella Bella Fashion Show commercial, November 3rd, Friday at the Drexelbrook, which features our families and our donors as fashion models. Uh, it's great. It's a great event. We Michelle's a force of nature, so she drives it all. But we're there to help with the auction and the registration and the ticketing and the models and some sponsorship. So it becomes a great opportunity to do what you want to do and what you love, whether it's a golf outing or a tailgate or a cornhole. Everybody's got something. Mm -hmm. That's what I one of our one of our uh, values as an organization is fun. If we can't have fun doing it, if our supporters and our families that we help can't have fun doing it. Why are we doing mm -hmm. when things are fun and run well, we'll raise money. So. Yes, that's so true. All right. I want to go back to something Paul brought up earlier and open it up to you all. But a lot of times someone's gone through something traumatic. They see something that catches their eye and say, hey, I want to give back in this way. I want to make a difference in the world. And they say, I'm going to start a nonprofit, which has a lot involved in it from starting a board, applying for your nonprofit status, all the requirements, the uh, you know financial requirements, all of that. I want to talk to this group a little bit about lessons you've learned over the years, or if someone did say, you know what, I'm going forward with it. What is a piece of advice that you would give to someone who wants to take that route? Uh, Tracy, let's start with you. What comes to mind, two things. One is at being really intentional about my decision-making and keeping the core values of the organization woven through every one of my decisions. So whenever I come to a, an impasse, um, that's what I run through. 
and my also, also my own personal values and integrity. And, you know, what I've learned over the years is that being calm and listening to people and really trying to meet people where they are typically solves most problems. And, and that um, things are going to come and go as you, and you know, in any business you're in, whether it's nonprofit or not, people will come and go, situations will come and go. And as long as, as a leader or as someone that's getting involved, we stay the course and true to our values um, and respectful to the person that's across from us or the groups of people that are across from us or sitting next to us, um, things tend to work out. Great. Thank you. Paul? That was well said, Trace. Um, mm -hmm. For me, I, I think it's kind of two parts. The first one is take a break before you jump in anything and begin with the end in mind and, 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 and approach it. You know, you and I come from the business world, right? So approach it like a business. It is a nonprofit. It's not a, it's not a for-profit business, but it's a business. You need to raise money. You need to distribute help. You need to manage the day to day. How are you going to do that? What do you need? Who do you need to help you do that? And run it like a business and begin with the end in mind. Great. Alexia. Yes, especially echoing that sentiment around the business piece of it. Um, that was my background too, as far as for-profit and structure. So that was something that I think was really important to me uh, in establishing it already to look like what I knew it would become. The values is what I found it has been so important. My own, as it relates to compassion and integrity and just making sure that even everything that you do, understanding that every person Every initiative isn't going to be for you. Every person, everything isn't your assignment. And so keeping the main thing, the main thing. So whatever you are going into it with, it's okay to focus on that. I remember early on, I wanted to do all the things as it related to it. I wanted to cover every single space that I could. And the reality is it's, it's not responsible to do that for myself personally, when it comes to my, my own self-care and yeah. just in general for families. So keeping the main thing, the main thing, um, and then staying true to your values. Mm -hmm. That's great. Alexia, I would, Martha, I would just absolutely agree with what you said about not trying to be the jack of all trades. And along with that is put the right people on the bus with you. Mm -hmm. That that's the mm -hmm. game changer. And mm -hmm. trust, trust the whispers. When people show you who they are, believe them the first time, right? Yep. yep. I love it. And, and we, we actually have a saying here, if you try to help everybody, you're going to end up helping nobody. Mm -hmm. You can only do what you can do, and you got to be super focused and super clear as a, as a group, as an individual. What are we doing? What do we get? Why do we get up every day? What is our purpose? Why do we mm -hmm. want the world? How do we want the world to be better? Because we're here today. Yeah. And I really want to throw out there, just ask for help. You mm -hmm. never know who is around you, who has a skill set that you need to get started. My best friend from Penn State wrote our first strategic plan. That is what she does for a living. 
that worked out really well for us. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, look who is around you who can help you. My brother-in-law is an attorney, helped us to do our paperwork. So there are people all around you and don't be scared to ask them for help and say, this is important and, and bring them along with you. They, they are going to care about what you care about and how you want to make a difference. I think that's important. Mm-hmm. All right. As we come to a, a close here today on this episode, there are two things that I'm going to ask you all. One is to please share where listeners can find more about your organization. And then if you have any last thoughts about our topic today, about helping people figure out how they can get involved and uh, give back. So Alexia, I'm going to start with you. Uh, Thank you so much again, Martha. This has been amazing. Um, Thank you so much and continued blessings and success in all of this. And you can follow Coco Life everywhere social media exists. So Instagram, Twitter, sub TikTok. We haven't really kind of got that part yet. But um, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn at CocoLife.Black. And also that is our website, www.CocoLife.Black. Find out more about the work that we're doing. And just the last thing that I would just say is continue to be encouraged, even when you do um, that. Again, that imposter syndrome sometimes creeps in or you feel doubtful. Just continue to be encouraged and prepare for the pivots that can come and be okay with those pivots as they need to come. So just continue to be guided in that. Love it. Paul. Uh, You can follow us on all social media platforms. We're bringinghopehome.org. We actually are kicking off an endowment raise. So if you'd like to be a donor, we'd love to have you. And I would advise, and what we try to continue to do all the time, is keep it very simple. Just be really focused on what you want to do and be very simple and, as Tracy said, intentional about how you want to make the world a better place and make people better off because you exist. Wonderful. Tracy? Stay curious and flexible, be agile in your journey and ask lots of questions. And like Martha said, look, look around, look who's in your network already that might be able to support you. Um, we can be reached at gotrpa.org and it's Girls on the Run of Southeastern Suburban PA if you just Google us. Wonderful. Well, I cannot thank you all enough for being on the Today's a Good Day podcast today. Thank you for sharing your stories, all that you've learned over the years, why you got started. I feel like we talked about so many great opportunities for people to get involved and give back in their own way through this episode. So I'd really like to just thank you again for being here. Thank, thank you, Martha. Thank you. Great to see you all.